Um, I was telling the crowd earlier that our uh, dream team, uh, shout out to the dream team because the dream team helps make this thing work week after week. If you're not yet on the dream team and you want to be a part of that thing because you're a part of something that's changing people's lives forever. In fact, in the second service, you can meet during this time right out the hallway and they will get you to uh, the grow track. We'll get you onto the dream team. Well, listen, I was playing football when I was young, uh, all the way up to the ninth grade. And uh, when I finished ninth grade, I decided I didn't want to play football anymore because I just don't like concussions. And there were guys on my football field in ninth grade the size of Robert Staley. It's like their fourth time in ninth grade, right? Football coach didn't care. He's like, you're on the football team. And so anyway, we're out there and, and I'm playing and I learned some things about football if you've ever played. Now, if I'm lining up against Robert, I can be on my heels. And when the quarterback says hike and Robert comes at me and he hits me with something, it's going to take me for a ride that I don't necessarily want to go on. Now, how many people know that there are some things that are going to try to come up in your life that's going to try to take you some places that you don't want to go? And so many times what we do is we just kind of sit back and go, well, okay, I'm just going to pull myself up by my bootstraps and I'm just going to try to endure. Do you know that God didn't call you to endure? He called you to overcome. So in football, if you're playing football, what I learned is that if I rock and I lean in a little bit and when the, when the football or when the, when the quarterback says hike and Robert comes, he's going to hit me with some stuff, but it's not going to move me backwards. There is something about leaning in that causes you to not only endure those things that the enemy tries to bring into your life, but it will also cause you to advance the cause or the purpose that God has put in your heart to do. Well, how do we get to that place? It's a place called engaging. Now, how many of you know if Robert's up on the stage and I'm just kind of out there and I'm on my phone and I'm just kind of doing my thing and the quarterback says, hike. He's getting ready to wipe me up on the stage. But if I'm focused and I'm ready and I'm leaning in, I'm prepared to receive not only what's getting ready to come my way, but the things that I want to move forward doing. Come on, somebody. Last week, Pastor Richie called a, uh, uh, started a series called Essentials, and he began to build a foundation, and he spoke about aha moments. You ever had those all hummels? March 5th of 1988. Ken, I've been married since March 5th of 1988. Somebody tell how long, how long is that? Like March of this year, it'll be 31 years. Like it's 30 of the best years of my life. Because year number two, it wasn't good. Like Becky and I didn't like each other. Like, you have to understand, we dated for five years in high school. Our first date, when I was 17, she was 15, we went to the all-sports banquet. Now, guys, check this out. I picked her up in a car in Oklahoma in the summer, and that air conditioner did not work. And I got a date number two. (laughs) Becky and I dated for five years. We got married on spring break in college. Not the best plan. We went into spring break in college. We got married on the first weekend. I played a basketball tournament. The second weekend, again, not the best plan. <laughs> and then we like got through that year because I'm excited because I'd spent all this time driving around, picking her up and going to stuff. And now we live together because we're married. And my grades shot up. And Becky's dropped. 
I thought, hey, this is, this is a good start, you know, I'm coming up in the world. And, and then we moved down to Fort Worth, Texas to go to seminary. Um, Becky worked in downtown Dallas. Um, her brother Tim was living with us. Again, if you're only married two years, probably not the best plan. Have somebody else living with you. Like, you guys think I could write a book on, on how to really seriously make a marriage fail? Learn everything that I did and do the opposite. So then we're living down in the Dallas area. I'm going to school full time. I'm working in a church in the mid-cities, Hershey, Bedford area. Becky is working in downtown Dallas. Her brother Tim is working on the northeast side of Dallas in a town called Garland. So our day would start about five in the morning. We'd get up. We'd start dropping people off. I'd drop uh, Becky's brother off in Garland. I'd drive to downtown Dallas to drop Becky. We had one car between the three of us. Again, not a great plan. See, and I'd make my way over to Fort Worth. I'd go to school. In the afternoon, I'd drive back to the mid-cities. I'd spend my time at church. At 5 o'clock, I'd drive over in that crazy Dallas traffic, pick Becky up, take her back to where we're living in Hearst, Texas. And about the time we finished supper, her brother's done working, so we jump in the car and go back to Garland and come back to uh, Hearst. So by the time our day ended, it was like 10 or 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. So we did that night after night after night after month after month after month. And before long, we're like living zombies. And we just figured out we didn't really like each other. How many of you know that when you get a little bit tired, those things that you can endure when you have some strength and energy, like that filter just comes off. Am I talking? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So we just begin to say, come on, somebody. We just begin to say what we're thinking. And by we, I mean me. And Becky began to say what she began thinking. And so, like, we were in this, it was turmoil, and we're tired, and all this kind of stuff. Our brother's living with us. We had one car. We put 45,000 miles on our car in nine months in the Dallas-Fort Worth area alone. We hated each other. And we're thinking back to our wedding vows, and we're like, crap, why did we put in till death do us part? Why do we have to put that in there? So we thought, you know, I remember Becky and I came to this conclusion at the same time. We're like, well, for us, divorce is not an option. So we're either going to be miserable for the rest of our lives or we're just going to learn to like each other. And I'm telling you, our marriage was so bad that second year. I still have a friend today that's still single. (laughs) Thorn in the flesh. Oh, I get it, Mark. That's your wife. I mean, all this kind of stuff, leprosy, that's your, I mean, all this kind of stuff, he's still single today. But what we, what we started to do, instead of sitting back, we began to lean in a little bit. And we began to stop the madness of just saying whatever we wanted to say. And we began to speak some life. And we began to, my wife, my wife taught me this. Anybody here, when you get into a fight, like, you just want to work it out. Like, in the next two minutes, I want to be the end of this thing so we could go to IHOP get some waffles. Yeah. <laughs> I found out Becky don't work that way. She got to process some stuff. I'm like, babe, seriously, let's just get this thing knocked out and we go get some waffles. And Becky's like, I'm going to tell you something about your waffles. So Becky started doing this thing. She'd be looking at me. I'd be like, come on, babe. We're going to work this out. We're going to talk it out. We're going to get through this because we spiritual people. We love Jesus. She's like, I'm going to take a walk. <laughs> She'd leave the house. I'm like, God, she's taking a walk. I'm trying to do what the Bible says. You go to your brother or your sister when you got an issue and you talk it out. She's taking a walk. 
But what I found was out, out on that walk, God began to do some things in her and began to do some things on me so that when we began to talk again, we realized that how long you cook your bacon ain't that big of a deal. Seriously, that's how dumb our arguments were. And we just decided we're going to lean in and we're going to love each other. And I'm telling you, March 5th, 2019, we're going to be married 31 years. And so many times we approach our relationship with God as that I'm just going to kind of pull myself by my bootstraps and, and when a wave comes across me I'm just going to say whatever comes out of my mouth and we start living in this craziness and we don't know how to stop the madness church I am so glad that that, that Pastor Richie has given me this opportunity to speak today because today we're going to stop the madness and we're going to engage in some things that's going to set us up for success now how many of you are glad you came to church today One of the things that, that I learned from Pastor Richie is that we're never going to do this as a church. Well, you know, if we give enough time, God may, maybe, if it's his will, and we act just right, there, there may be some good things that show up in your life. And, but if not, it just wasn't the will of God. Anybody ever prayed and gave God an out before? How many of y'all know God don't need an out? I love it that Pastor Richie speaks by faith. He's taught me to speak by faith. You see, you have to see it and receive it, or see it and believe it, and then you can receive it. Because with your physical eyes, you have to say, I'm not, this, this may be the fact right now, but facts change with the word of God and last forever. So your fact right now may say something like crazy, like you you're up against this financial wall and you're never going to get through it. You can say that because you see that. But if you see with your spiritual eyes that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, 10,000 hills, and it ain't nothing for him to sell a couple of them, bring some miracle money into your life to get you out of a hole that you dug into. When you begin to see those things and begin to believe those things, you'll begin to receive those things. Come on, somebody. That's why, that's why, church, we continue to say it, spray it. Come on, somebody. You want me to go there? Come on, Mitch, you want me to go there? We're going to say it, we're going to spray it, we're going to wheel and deal until you begin to feel it. Come on, somebody. We are not going to give up on the fact that God has placed us here to speak life into you so that if you will let us pastor you, those things that you begin to receive by leaning in will begin to come out in your life and it'll begin to change your life forever. Come on. You guys ready to get into the message now? That was a freebie. Because this is what I know. What you lean into, what you engage with is what you receive the most from. Let me ask you a question today. Are you more enthusiastic about talking who should have been in the Super Bowl or how boring it was? Or are you more enthusiastic about talking about what God's getting ready to do in the service today? Because what you lean into is what you receive the most from. There's two things that I want to uh, share with you today. 
If you're taking notes today, and you should be, I want you to write these things down. First of all, write this down. Enthusiasm. Yeah, let me give you a background. I don't think you guys are ready for this yet. Because we'll be talking about engaging in enthusiasm. I went to a college, Oklahoma Baptist University in Shawnee, Oklahoma. We were the Mighty Bison. Whoop! Intimidating, isn't it? However, it is much better. I don't know if you've ever been going to Dallas and gone through Louisville. You know what their mascot is? They're the fighting farmers. I've never really made a farmer mad. Maybe they can just wear you out with something. I don't know. But I'm thinking if I'm taking a fighting farmer and a bison, I'm going with a bison 10 times out of 10. So I'm in college at Oklahoma Baptist University. I'll never forget this. I'm sitting in, in one of my classes, and one of our professors stood up at the front of class, and this is what he said. He said, ladies and gentlemen, you have the most exciting message in the world. Please do not dumb it down by your delivery. You know, because of what I was taught growing up, I was, I was taught that if you had a funeral director's voice, brethren, we are gathered here today to talk about the goodness of the Lord. That if you talk like that, you sounded more spiritual. But you know what I learned? I learned that our word enthusiasm is actually from a Greek word. So I want to talk to you about two points today. And the first thing I want to talk to you about today is this. Enthusiasm was born in the church. Come on, somebody. Enthusiasm was born in the church. Now, before we get to that, I want to to give you a quick illustration. When we lean in, when we begin to receive those things that are in front of us, not only does it affect us, but it begins to affect people around us. In fact, there is a, a momentum that comes when we collectively lean in, whether it's in worship, whether it's in the word, whether it's in our small group, whether it's in the growth track, whether whatever it is, when we begin to lean in and engage, there is a collective momentum that begins to happen, that begins to affect every one of us. Let me, let me just tell you, show you what I'm talking about. People in the first three rows, I want you to pull your hands out and just start clapping. Okay, stop. I want people in the first six rows, pull your hands out. Everybody in the first six rows, begin to clap. Oh, wait, wait. I want everybody in the first nine rows to begin to clap together. Okay, now I want everybody in here to begin to clap. Let me tell you the power of leaning in and engaging. Becky and I took our kids to Branson, Missouri. Anybody like to go to Branson, Missouri? We do. I like it. Been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. I go back tomorrow. I love Branson because most places you got to buy a ticket, drive to a venue to attend a concert. Branson, like seriously, you can walk from venue to venue. You can go to the next concert. So we happened to be there in a December and it was snowing, snowing outside. In fact, it was snowing so hard that um, we figured that the ticket's that day would be a little bit down. So we wanted to go to this particular show. We showed up at the day of the show at the venue that seats about, you know, they seat from 800 to 1,000 people. We bought tickets on the day of the show. Guess where we sat? Front row and center. We showed up that night to that concert. And in, a, in an auditorium of about 800 to 1,000 seats, there were about 200 people. So four-fifths of the building's empty. And so I looked at my kids and I said, hey, Let me just tell you how performers work. If this house is packed, the whole dynamic of the room changes. 
Because typically when the house is packed, people are more into it. The more the crowd gets into it, the more the performers get into it. The more the performers get into it, the more exciting it is for the people in the crowd. So I said, this is our job tonight. Our job tonight is to be the biggest encouragers for the people on stage. So we're sitting on the front row. There's about 200 people in the house. The seat's 800 to 1,000. And they, they come up there and they start their songs. And from the very beginning, we're like, woo! We're clapping, we're singing. It's like this eclectic 60s and 70s song. We're singing it, we're belting it out. They finish the song. We're, it's like the greatest concert we've ever seen. We're like, woo! Give us some art, woo! I mean, we're just going to town. And what I noticed, we're about three songs in, and this lady that was stone-faced sitting beside us the first three songs, she gets up. She starts swaying and clapping. We start looking around, and the entire atmosphere changed. So we enjoy the, the show. We're like, let's go get some ice cream after this. On a winter night, never better time for ice cream. So we're like peeling out down the aisle to get out the back of the theater. I kid you not, God is my witness. The owners of the theater chased us down, and this is what they said. Thank you so much for being here, for being on the front row, and for being engaged. It's one of the best shows we've ever done. The church, if we can make that kind of an impact at a secular concert, how much greater of an impact when we lean in together in the house of God. When we're worshiping the one that rose the dead. When we're worshiping the one who opened the ears of the deaf. When, we op- when we're worshiping the one who reached out and touched the leper and the leprosy left. When we're worshiping the one who's, who we can say this greater is the power that's in us than he that's in the world. Church, listen to me. Can I tell you, if there is any group of people on planet earth that ought to be enthusiastic, it's the people that have put their faith in Jesus Christ. Now... You're taking notes, write this down. Enthusiasm was born in church. Enthusiasm was born in the church. Heaven says this, never be... Romans 12, 11 says this, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord. What's it, is it up there? What's it say? Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord. How? Okay. Enthusiasm is from a Greek word. It's, it's split up between in... And theos, the, the Greek word in literally means from within. The, or from, meaning within. The word theos means with God. So this is what was happening in the, in the first century church. Roman soldiers kept encountering these people who put their faith in Jesus. And they could not understand in the crazy dynamics of living in that time in Rome that was very anti-Christian, why these people were bubbly, happy, and enthusiastic about everything that they did. So the story is told, a couple of the Roman soldiers were talking about it. Why are these people acting like that? Why are they always enthusiastic? And the story is told that one of the soldiers told the other one, they literally believe that God is living inside of them. And it doesn't matter what they face. He is going to take them through to the other side. Church, when you begin to let that, when you begin to engage with that truth alone, it'll let you know that that's sick. I got a phone call the other day. My mom, she was living down at Sky West. 
She had an episode, and they just a behavioral thing they needed to deal with. So they had to put her in a, a geriatric, geriatric psych, psychiatric hospital to kind of regulate some medication. Well, she got down there, and she became non-responsive. So they're calling me, what do you want me to do? And I said, well, I'll tell you what's worked in the past. I gave them some things to do. I got that phone call a couple of days ago. And I'm just telling you today, God is my witness. It's so easy for me to focus on my circumstances around me instead of the God that's able to heal my mom and trust him. I'm telling you, there's some people here today, you're, you're looking at, we just went through this financial um, a seminar. And some of you guys are going, man, he just doesn't understand how deeply in debt I am. And the enemy is telling you today that you'll never get out of where you are. You will always be in that kind of bondage and debt. And I'm here to tell you, we serve a God that brings life and liberty to people. Enthusiasm. If there's anybody that ought to be enthusiastic, it should be the people of God. Romans 12 says, don't be slothful in business, but be fervent in serving the Lord. Yeah, what's that cartoon that's got the sloth working at the DMV? You see that one? What cartoon is that? Zootopia. They go in to switch some stuff at the DMV, which by nature is the fastest entity on planet Earth anyway. Like, I don't know about you guys, but when I go to the DMV to switch my driver's license, like, I'm in and out like. That. This movie has a sloth. So the guy goes to the counter. He tells the sloth a joke. And his buddy's like, no! There's like 30 seconds of silence, and then the sloth goes, ha! And you go through this whole painful experience. Like, I'm wanting to stand up in my chair and start yelling at him, no! But so oftentimes... Church, tell me if I'm not telling the truth. So many times in the church, bless me today, we're just kind of sitting back going, I dare God to bless me today. I know about crazy pastor. Pastor Richie knows what he's talking about because I got all this junk showing up in my life and it doesn't seem like God's a good God. You want to learn from Pastor Richie? His view of God isn't determined by his circumstances around him. But because he has placed his faith in Jesus, his circumstances in front of him begin to change. It says, don't be slothful. What is a sloth? They're slow to respond. They're idle. They're destitute of promptness, of mind, and of activity. It says, don't do that, but to be fervent. Somebody say fervent. Fervent, literally, in this sense, is a picture of boiling water. Like, you ever peel potatoes and put them in water and start boiling it and got the water a little bit too high? That water starts boiling up and it starts boiling over and it begins to, listen to me, affect everything around it. The Bible says in our serving God, that's the picture that we're a pot of boiling water. We're just spewing over on people. Now, when I grew up, that's what, this is what that meant. Oh, I know what you did the other night. You need to come to this altar to repent. So it was like this sin fest. You always hated to go to church. Because somebody's going to be pointing out your business. Can I tell you, God already knows your business. And he dealt with it 2,000 years ago on the cross at Calvary. And if you will lean in, if you'll lean in, 
you'll begin to look past your failures and see the goodness of God and that his love for you is not dependent on how you acted this week. And you'll see yourself clothed in the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. And you'll begin to step out and do those things that God has put on your heart to do. You know where it starts? With a decision. It starts with a decision. Because I grew up this way. I grew up like in a denomination that's very conservative. I grew up in a denomination that, that was taught the gifts of the Holy Spirit passed away with the first century church. There's some other denominations that believe fully in the use of the gifts of the Holy of the Spirit, being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And to me as an outsider looking in, it looked like just crazy people, to be honest. Like they were totally out of control of their life. Like uh, I don't remember when God started speaking to me. I, there was a, I was living in Perryton and, and God, be, had, there was a revival going on and lots of people were giving their life to Jesus. So I'm like, I'm going to go check this thing out. So I show up, preacher's preaching, some goofball just gets filled with the Holy Spirit, does a lap around church. I'm like, that's crazy. So I went back the next night, I saw people's lives change, and I saw how enthusiastic people were about what God was doing. Went back the next night, I'm sitting there in the back, some idiot on this side does the same thing, pop up, just do a lap around church and go sit down. Like, what the heck is going on here? I go back the third night, and God just speaks to my heart and he says this. What if I want you to do a lap around church? Something that totally doesn't make sense to you. Are you willing to do that? You know what my answer was? Oh, heck no. <laughs> I know you guys thought I was going to get saved and did a lap. I ain't never did a lap around church in my life. No. First of all, because you don't want to see this run. I stop and things just keep going. <laughs> it's not right. But it started me on a journey of thinking, what other areas of my life does God want me to step out on that I'm not doing because I don't trust him enough? And I'm telling you, church, it started me on a journey to change my life. You know why? Because for the first time in my life, I began to open up my life and I began to lean in to listen to what God was saying to me. It wasn't about showing up and sitting. It was about receiving and believing. And that changed everything. Second thing I want to talk to you about today is that not only does your, was enthusiasm born in the church, do you realize that your motion affects your emotion? Your motion affects your emotion. So many of us, we're driven by our emotions. And what we do is a response to what we're feeling in that moment. I am so glad that my wife, Becky, did not make a choice based on what she was feeling my second year of marriage. Because there wouldn't have been a third year. 2 Timothy 1.6 says this, This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift that God gave you. For God has not given you a spirit of fear and timidity, but a power of love and of self-discipline. Look at that word. This is why I remind who to fan into the flames. You. 
Do you know that's written to us? But so many times what we do is we kind of rock back in our heels and say, oh man, I just hope God stirs me up today. Do you know it's not God's job to stir you up today? It's your job to stir up what God has already put inside you. Why is that so important? Because if you don't stir up what God has already put inside you, the devil will remind you of every mistake you've ever made, and you will never step out and do anything for God. So today, I want you to begin just to stir up those things inside of us. Pastor Richie's last, last week was like, is that fake? No, that's faith. Do you know what the difference between fake and faith is? Fake is something I'm conjuring up. Faith is me simply doing what God has put in his word to do. And when we do that, we begin to receive. We begin to believe. And that begins to come out in our lives. You see, there is power in the decision to be fervent. There's power in the decision just to sit back and not engage. You ever walked into a church and you left there going, that was the deadest place I've ever lived in walked into if you ever walked into a church and left there and going I don't know how to explain it but I just feel like there was life there can I give you a, a quick teaching but can I as Pastor Richie and Pam did for years traveled out with Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames and I figured that when I was out in evangelism we were in a different church every week so some guys felt like they needed a word that week that was fresh what God did in me is he gave me words for seasons that he wanted several churches to hear do you know that I could take that same message that I preached into three different churches? One church, 15 people give their life to Jesus. One church, people would look at me like I got 15 heads on my body. Is there anything different about the message? No, it was one church. They were leaning in. They were amening. They were shouting that white boy down. Another church was back there. I just dare God to bless me today. I can just, if you'll make a switch today, if you'll lean in, lean into your small group, lean into the growth track, lean into worship, lean into the message on this thing. You'll open the door and I promise you something supernatural will happen in your life. All of a sudden, instead of seeing your mountains, you'll see your faithful God and that mountain will disappear. That's the truth, church. That's the truth. I grew up in a denomination. We weren't real. In fact, I grew up in a denomination. This lady would sing. She had a beautiful voice. She'd sing. She'd start swaying and she'd start singing. Because she just loved being in the presence of God. We had a deacon that went to her and said, you're just making it a show. It's about you. You need to stop being excited about what you're singing about and she did and I'm telling you she went through like this crazy battle on the inside can I share with you just a couple of things about what it says about us when we gather together in the house of God come on the Bible says this in Psalms 47.1 come on everyone clap your hands Psalm 47.1 says this shout God songs at the top of your lungs uh, Psalms 149.3 says, praise his name with dancing. Oh, you had me till you got to dancing. Like I went to a college, we didn't have dances, we had functions. Same thing, different location. 
We just functioned. Luke 17, 15 says, One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. Do you realize that when Jesus touched somebody in the New Testament, he'd say something like this, like, Lord, just got healed. Jesus would say, Lord, seriously, don't go talk to anybody. Don't tell anybody. Lord, leave that place. Jesus just touched me. He just healed me. He just, I would see like everywhere they went, they were so enthusiastic because they had received something from God that had so changed their lives, they wanted to give that away to somebody. Come on, church. Don't make me do a loop in this place today. It all starts with a decision. I love my friend Eastman Curtis. Eastman Curtis. Um, pastor of church in Broken Arrow a long time ago. This thing just exploded like crazy. He used to speak a lot on TBN. He used to do a lot of youth conventions, that kind of stuff. But he's, Eastman Curtis did crazy stuff. With, he was a, he was, even when he's a senior pastor, he still was overseeing student ministry. And if you ever meet Eastman Curtis, he's a little bit like Lizzie Lyles. Anybody know Lizzie Lyles? You ain't going to see that girl on a bad day. That girl's going to come in. She's going to be talking. There's going to be a party starting in that room when Lizzie Lyles comes in. I'm telling you. I love watching what she posts on Facebook because I'm like, this is going to be good. <laughs> you watch, just watch Lizzie. If you're not friends with her, just become friends with Lizzie Lyles and watch that girl on Facebook. It's amazing. My friend Eastman was like that. So back in the day, like seriously, I don't know why I'm saying this, but you know, back in the day, we had church vans that were 18 passenger vans that were top heavy. You guys remember those? Like you, you put people in there and you turn a corner at 25 mile an hour, you're probably going to be rolling that thing. So occasionally, I'm not saying we ought to do this. Like seriously, we probably should never do this. But we pull up to a stoplight. Anybody ever heard of a Chinese fire drill? Like we pull up there, there'd be 23 kids in an 18-passenger van. Somebody in that van at that red light would yell, Chinese fire drill. Those van doors would open. Every one of those kids would get out. Like I'm like, oh, dear God, no, 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 no. They'd run around, they'd get back in, they'd slam the door, and there's the green light, and we'd take off. So my friend Eastman, they do the gospel drill. I'm like, what the heck's that, Eastman? He goes, well... When we pull up to a red light, my team would be ready with gospel tracks. Anybody remember a gospel track? When they, that light would go red, they would jump out of that, and they would put gospel tracks on every car that they could get to. And they'd say, Jesus loves you! And they'd jump back in the van. So he's going to tell me that, and I'm like, that's pretty crazy. He goes, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, it's better than that. He said, I stopped at a convenience store one time in Tulsa, which is right outside of Broken Arrow. He said, I went into the facilities to do business. He said, I sat down and looked at the toilet paper, and it was lumpy. Now, don't, don't get ahead of me. And he's like, what is going on? So he starts to pull the toilet paper, and tracks start falling out of the toilet paper. So he picks him up. Somebody from his student ministry had gone into that bathroom, unrolled that entire roll of toilet paper, and every lap, put another track on there. He picked it up and he goes, that's my church. And you know, they'd have people show up at church because they went to the bathroom at 7-Eleven in Tulsa. They were enthusiastic. Enthusiastic. I just want to remind you where we started today, church. 
And we're just kind of here, whether it's a small group, growth track, worship service, message time, your marriage, your workplace. If you're just there and disengaged, you're going to miss out on all of the goodness that God wants to bring in your life. Can I encourage you today, no matter where you are on your journey, you say, Mark, that's easy for you because you're wired for 220 in a 110 world. <laughs> I've always been that way. Becky and I were serving on staff in Garland, Texas at a very conservative church in a day when nobody raised their hands in worship. We're on staff. We sit on the second row. And I start reading in the, New, in the Old Testament about people raising their hands. God says, what about you? Oh, no. There's a Baptist church, God. The assembly of God right down the road. You can go on down there for that. Becky and I had this conversation, but we began to read the word. And we really felt like that, that God was asking us to raise our hands in worship. So, my Lord, we go into worship that day. We're sitting on the second row. The team begins, like I was praying, the whole team, just, Lord, let them be sick. We're not going to have worship today. Please, dear God, no. They start singing these songs. and God just speaks to my heart. And I just fell in love with him. And I'm telling you, as that Baptist boy in that church, I raised my hand. Got right there. And I felt 998 pairs of eyes boring in the back of my head. And I said, God, I don't care what they think. I just care what you think. So I'm going to lean in. And we just begin to lean in. And can I tell you, just that simple act opened our lives to some incredible things that God wanted to do in us.